Hey, all you ghouls and ghosts, get ready for some great tales told by our hosts. A paranormal chicks have stories to tell. Some have true crime, some have demons from hell. So relax, get a cup of coffee or tea, and prepare for the chills from Donna and Carrie. Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 86. Well, y'all just heard Zoe, which she was amazing. Duh. Aren't they always? Yes. And she was rhyming. You know who she didn't get that from? You. Yeah. Hey, if y'all want to introduce an episode, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right. Hey ghouls, I'm a new listener to your podcast and enjoy the sinister sightings on my long drives to and from work. I've got a few stories by this point in my life, but today I will tell you about my haunted tavern. The tavern was built in 1790 next to the courthouse in Lancaster, Virginia. People would travel from afar and stay the night in the tavern, then proceed to their business at court. So you can imagine we'd had many guests over the centuries. At the end of 2019, my family and I acquired the tavern having heard tales of its haunting, including the smell of ghosts making bacon in the mornings. They were neat, campy stories, but of course, I'm a see-it-to-believe-it kind of guy. Now, on to my personal experiences. One day, while taking a break in a suite upstairs, I hear a loud bang in the office room. I jump up to see what the source was, and there's a crow trapped in the room smashing into the window trying to escape. After opening the window and the crow escaping, I investigate to see how a freaking crow got in. A window was broken with cardboard covering the hole, so that's the obvious choice to look. It's one room over, the quote-unquote more haunted of the suites, and once inside, I see no possible point of entry from either window and I turn to exit. That's when I notice the dresser has been moved, like one corner was pulled forward. I think that's odd, so I go to push it back when I notice a large rolled up piece of parchment that's made to look old. I pulled it out from behind the dresser to discover it's a copy of the Declaration of Independence. I've never seen this paper before and I cleaned the whole building before opening up, including behind that very dresser. So it's obviously recently gotten there. Now let me take you into a bit of our history as a tavern. During the Revolutionary War, George Washington's soldiers were staying the night at the tavern. The basement was where those with less money would stay, while those with money would stay upstairs. They would drink and be merry in the basement, only to find the British coming into the tavern's upstairs area. This gave soldiers an opportunity to spy on the British, and of course, we won, so you're welcome. Okay, so back to present day. I found out that about 10 years ago, the copy of the Declaration was on display on that very dresser, but it had been missing for a bit of time. Maybe one of the spirits thought it was time to return the decorative item? I don't know. I never found a point of entry for the crow. Maybe it came through the fireplace or something. The prior owner would drink at the tavern and stay in the more haunted of the suites, and she would tell us stories of a ghost squeezing her heart in the middle of the night. Now, they've had paranormal investigation team investigate, and they said the owner looked like one of the spirit's wife, so he may have been jealous, mistaking her for his former wife. Personally, I don't think I'd stay there again if my heart was squeezed, but to each their own. 
Another story. One night after closing, our bar manager forgot the money bag on the front table. He did not see it as he was leaving and thought one of us had taken it, and we called him to make sure he had it, which he didn't, so he had to return to the tavern to retrieve it. He knew exactly where he left it, but it wasn't there, and he was spooked being there at night, so he searched for it quickly. He found it across the room behind our beer fridge with just a corner sticking out. He described it looking as though it had been thrown there by someone or something. I think the ghosts were trying to keep it safe for us as they seemed to like us. That is, until Friday the 13th. We had another paranormal team investigate the tavern. They were to stay the night in the suite. This day was not a good day. My sister was waiting tables and miscarried, falling to the floor after her water broke. Our paranormal investigator later that day suffered a heart attack too. This wasn't his first heart attack. We did find out. It was a rough day and resulted in the tavern closing down for a week. The following week was when quarantine started, so we stayed shut down. The paranormal investigator contacted us and informed us that we have ghosts in the main area of the building, but in the attic there's something else entirely. A demon. So that was spooky to hear. He said a demon's presence is known with heat, unlike a ghost, which is cold. A few weeks later, the attic caught fire while my brother was working in the office. The firefighters saved the main area, but the roof and the upstairs were destroyed. The inspector said the old wiring, which was updated everywhere except the attic, was the cause, but I think the demon was involved. We're working hard to acquire funds to restore the historic building and reopen as insurance isn't covering it. After we are restored, feel free to stay a spooky night or record an episode here. Stay spooky. Taylor from the Lancaster Tavern and Inn. Holy crap. I want nothing to do with a demon. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not even a little. Though it is cold right now, so heat would be good. Not a demon's heat? mm we aren't all on blood thinners and freezing our ass off over here, Donna. <laughs> oh, gosh. And it sounds like we're taking a trip when the COVID's over. Yeah. Hey, girls. So this is a story about experiences I've had since my papa passed away. So my papa passed away two weeks after my high school graduation. Ever since then, weird things will occasionally happen. I've always been sensitive when it comes to the paranormal, but never with someone I know. It started the night he passed away. I had been over at my grandparents' house having Sunday dinner. My papa had been sick all day, but we chalked it up to a virus because, seriously, I had never really seen this man sick. In the early evening, I went to give him a hug and a kiss by because I had made plans to go swimming with my friends. Side note, my dad has always been in and out of my life, so his dad, my papa, was pretty much my dad. Anyways, while my friends and I were swimming, I got very dizzy and out of nowhere, an intense migraine, so I decided to head home. When I got out of the pool, I had missed a call for my Mimi by 10 minutes. I went to call her back, and her friend answered. We will call her Jane. Jane informed me that I needed to go to my mom's house, I had already moved out, and have her call my Mimi. I instantly knew he had passed away. I get in my car and I call my mom. At this point, I am sobbing and violently shaking. I inform my mom of the call and say, I think Papa died. My mom, worried about my state, meets me at my house instead. 
She shuts my door and tells me, Papa passed away. I instantly knew it when I started feeling bad in the pool that it was him telling me before anyone else. Move on to a few weeks later and I'm in my car and I suddenly get a whiff of Old Spice. That was his scent. He wore the deodorant and used the aftershave. He literally always smelled like Old Spice. I knew he was right next to me. Every once in a while, I'll smell it and I'll know he's with me. Trust me, I know because I always smell Old Spice when I'm nowhere near anyone else or where they would even have Old Spice. A few months ago, my Mimi and I went to a live show of a popular medium. I won't say their name as the live show wasn't even allowed to be recorded. They informed us that sometimes spirits will latch to another spirit to try to communicate to you as well. The medium never spoke to us directly, but at the end of her show, she asked why she smelled Old Spice. The guy she was next to said that that was all his dad ever wore. The entire show, I had been saying in my head over and over that I just wanted a sign that I wasn't crazy. I thought it was crazy because even though she talked to the guy about his father, I still believe to this day that my papa was following right behind to remind me that I'm not crazy. Thanks for reading this insane story. Love, Amanda. That's so true, though, because when we went to see Teresa Caputo, she said the same thing. Like, sometimes even if it's not your loved one specifically that she's, like, talking to you about, they're saying the same thing, you know, yeah. through through someone else. Yeah, that happened to my aunt, who I was, like, we were with about her son. Mm-hmm. And then it happened with my mama, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was definitely a sign for you. My grandpa wore Old Spice, too. That's sweet. And he was Papa, too. All right, the next one is a story or two. Good evening. I came across your podcast this evening and felt I had a couple of stories to share with you, both the paranormal type. I love sharing them, but most people just scoff and act like I'm an idiot. So if you two can appreciate it, I would be excited to share. We have to go back to 1989. My parents divorced during my freshman year in college, and my mother remarried the following year. I was home visiting her and my new stepfather one weekend. He was our small-town police officer, so he worked nearly every night of the week. It was Saturday night, and the three of us had just finished up dinner, and he headed off to work. My mom and I sat there at the supper table, full of dirty dishes and half-empty bowls and platters of food. We talked for a few minutes and decided to go visit her sister, my aunt, leaving everything on the table where it sat. We were gone for about an hour or so and returned home. Remember, my stepdad was a police officer, so we always locked his house door. It was a must. My mom and I came in the back door, which led directly into the dining room area. When we walked in, to our bewilderment, all six chairs were on the table, sitting precariously between all of the dirty dishes that were there. We stared at each other in total disbelief. Why? Well, the house my mother moved into when she married him was actually his first wife's parents' home. His first wife was reared there as a child and teen, worked as a hairdresser from there her entire adult life, and died of cancer there in that house. The house was built around 1920 by her father, and they moved in after her father passed away in order to care for her mother, who would also die in the house. Up until this point, I never really believed in the paranormal, but this got me thinking. My mother thought it was a practical joke played on us by someone. 
but no one else except my sister had a key to the house. She didn't have a joking personality. Me, I was leaning more towards the ghost of his first wife telling my mom, how dare you walk away from my kitchen leaving it a mess. My mother laughed at my takeaway from the situation, but when I started asking questions like, have you heard any noises? Have you seen anything odd? Have you felt any weird things? She had answers to every one of those questions. The house had frequent knocking sounds. I even heard them. She would find kitchen towels that had been on the handle of the oven or the handle of a drawer. What was the most striking was when asked if she had any weird feelings, she replied, I've never felt welcome here. I've always had a sense of being judged like I wasn't good enough. From that night forward, she became more aware of the presence of the house itself in her life. Their marriage failed the following year, my mother claiming they just weren't compatible. At that time, my mom moved into a home that was, oddly enough, the home her mother lived in during the final years of her life. My mom had already married my father and moved away when my grandmother lived here, and the house was sold after her passing. But 30 years later, here is my mom living in the house that her mother had lived in. As all good moms do, she made me a room so I could have a place to come during the summer. So one night, I'm laying in bed playing my Sega Genesis. The door out of my room led into the hallway where the bathroom was located. As clear as could be, I saw a light come out of the bathroom, very low to the floor, rise up and elongate to about five feet, then move down the hall. This was just after midnight and my mom was in bed. This freaked me out, and I took off to her room to wake her up. I was 20 years old. I explained to her what I saw, and she, like the great mother she is, listened, then tried to help me understand what I saw was really nothing, even though the year prior, we had the whole chair issue. Fast forward about a week later, my cousin Derek, who was about eight years old at the time, was in my room playing the Sega when my mom, aunt, and I were in the kitchen visiting. Derek walks into the kitchen and asks, where's Aunt Jackie? My mom looks at him and replies, honey, Aunt Jackie isn't here. He said to her, but I saw her walk out of the bathroom. My mouth dropped. I looked at my mom and she looked at me. I immediately stood up and asked Derek what he saw. And he said, a gray-haired lady who looked like Aunt Jackie. My aunt looked at me like I was losing my mind. Then I explained to her what I had seen the other night. My mom had nothing to say. She later told me after my aunt left that my grandmother had lived there with their mom in that very house and had died. She didn't want to say anything in front of her sister. My great-grandmother had gray hair, styled much like Aunt Jackie. I am convinced she revealed herself to my cousin that day. All these years later, I still get goosebumps when I recount these stories. That's how I know they're valid. That what I witnessed was legitimate paranormal events. I feel confident that things happen that can't be explained. So much so, I don't venture into it because I'm scared of how deep and dark it would get. Thank you for reading, Chris. Did you want to do the Grace Adler? Told you so. Told you so. Told you so. Right? I mean, I would. I know you would, Petty Betty. Mm-hmm. I live for that. You really do. I do. Y'all think the tallies are just for fun, but no. She... It's all I have in this world. She's actually keeping count. No one else is. <laughs> I have tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Picture a prison wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. They're just stretch marks. God dang. 
<laughs> well, then I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But I'm with you, Chris. I think that she was like, uh, don't leave dirty dishes in my house like that. Oh, yeah. As soon as you said it was the ex-wife's house where she and her mom had, I was like, oh, no. Honestly, at first, I thought that story was going to say somebody had cleaned the dishes. And I was like, well, let's keep that ghost around. Right. But no, this bitch stacking the chairs up like it's fucking Beauty and the Beast in there. (laughs) Also, you know, minor detail that I want to know. uh, What was your favorite Sega game? I figured, I thought you were going to ask what they ate for dinner. Nah. Glad you found us, and thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing so soon. Like, I know, most people are like, I wanted to get through all the episodes and then share. But Chris was like, I found you, I'm writing you. Yeah, they broke the mold. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, ladies, I've been listening to y'all's podcast for about a month now, and I absolutely love you too. I've been binging your Sinister Sightings episodes and decided to share a story of my own. I guess you could say it's borderline paranormal. For starters, you can use my name on the podcast if you decide to use my story, though I know mine probably isn't near as exciting as others. My name is Harley, I'm a month away from being 19, and I live right across the street from a cornfield in a small village of 500 people in Illinois. But enough about me, on to the story. Growing up, I was very, very close with my grandpa on my dad's side of the family. He was a hardcore biker type of man, but my mother always told me that he softened up when I was born. He had the long hair he kept in a ponytail and that biker mustache. He lived with my great-grandmother up in a house hidden by the forest. My mom and dad got divorced when I was about six years old, so when it was my dad's weekend with my sister and me, we would go and stay at my grandpa's. I would stay up late with him watching those cheesy, quote-unquote, horror TV shows on Sci-Fi Channel. And due to being exposed to it at such a young age, I now have an irrational fear of elevators due to an episode where the floor fell out from under a group of people and they fell to their deaths. Unrelated, though. My grandpa had been very good to me and my sister. I remember always putting a little rubber fish in his boots when I was a toddler, and he would act surprised every time he would go to put them on for work. When I was six, he got me a pink Nintendo DS Lite for my birthday. I loved him, and I knew he loved me. He had such a warmth about him. When I was eight years old, my mom pulled me aside and told me he had suffered a heart attack and that there was a low chance of him surviving, and if he did, he would be a vegetable. I was devastated, and I cried and cried and cried, and sadly, my grandpa passed away soon after. After the funeral, my dad had taken us back to the house. He was staying there to look after my great-grandmother because she has Alzheimer's. That night, I was sitting on the couch watching TV. What I saw that night has stayed with me, though I don't know if it was grief or if I had actually seen my grandpa. I saw him, an apparition, walk into the living room through the doorway, holding a Coke, which he always drank, and a cigarette. He sat down on the couch, reached for the remote, and performed the action of turning on the TV. I blinked and he was gone. I believe that I had seen him because even though his death had affected me, I was still a child and was unable to process grief as an adult would. I miss him every day. I still have the pink DS and play on it regularly. 
If you do read this, just wanted to let y'all know again how much I love you guys. You make my nine-hour workday so much easier. Your banter and raunchy humor make me smile. Keep doing what y'all are doing, Harley. Harley, oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Seriously, thank you. All of y'all are so sweet, and we really appreciate it. We're glad you found us. And I think it's so, like, again, y'all know my favorite word, synchronicity. Like, what the hell? We just read from Chris, and Chris was playing the Sega. You have the pink Nintendo DS from your grandpa, from your dad's side. Same with the other girl. It was her grandpa from her dad's side. Like, sorry, I'm I'm one of those people. Like, I could have like a murder board of everything, like six degrees of separation. And honestly, I think you did see him because, like you said, you were a kid. And we always say that kids see stuff, you know, and things that we can't comprehend. And maybe like he wasn't ready to pass over just yet. And that was like, I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert. Well, damn, you said everything I was going to say. I mean, I'm a Leo, right? Yeah. We're going to just keep blaming that for everything. (laughs) (laughs) This one is called Weird Dream World. Hey, y'all. I recently discovered y'all's podcast, and I absolutely love y'all. You guys are so supportive, and I feel like this is a safe place to share my story. I've told this story to maybe one person in my life, and it still freaks me out. When I was about six, I started having this repetitive dream, and I had it every night until I was eight or nine. It all starts as I walk into this hallway. The walls are dark red and seem to be dripping down like blood. The ceiling is so high up that I can't even see the top of it. It just fades into pitch black. This hallway is two levels with stairs leading up to the second level. As you walk down the hallway, you can see a small landing to walk on, but you can still see it from the ground. The hallway is lined with doors, like cabin in the woods type shit. The hallway extends as long as I can see. The doors are all closed, and it's absolutely silent. I can't hear my breathing or the steps I take. I walk down the hallway, past all the doors, each one is closed. I walk down the hall for what seems like hours and then as I walk one of the doors slowly creaks open. Behind the door is a room. The darkest most soul-sucking black you can imagine. Darker than pitch black. I walk through the door and it feels like I'm passing through a veil. Almost like if you walked through a mist or sprinkles. As soon as I pass through the doorway I feel as if I'm no longer asleep. I feel like my consciousness has gone beyond sleep and I feel as if I'm awake. I feel the coldness on my skin and I hear my breathing and my heart beating. It's almost like I've gone somewhere I shouldn't have gone. And the door swings shut behind me and I feel a chill go up my back and a voice whispers behind me in my right ear. What are you doing here? You don't belong here. I immediately fall backwards onto the floor. I feel my body sink through it again like I'm passing through a veil or mist. I wake up. You know that feeling when your foot falls asleep? That's how my whole body feels, almost like TV static. During this time, I lived in an old house on a military base built in 1909 in southern Georgia where many families and soldiers passed through it. 
I stopped having these dreams when we moved out. Thank you so much, and I apologize for the long read. Feel free to use my name, Creep It Weird Madison. I know we got some listeners that have got some ideas about this veil of a world you pass through. Yes, and when you said your body felt like TV static, that is scary as fuck. What in the upside down is going on here? Yes. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. I don't like that. I don't want any part of that. Mm-mm. And, of course, Carrie had to read that and do a creepy voice. Good God. <laughs> hey, ladies. No scary story or true crime for me tonight. Just a little funny story about how some random guy trying to help me probably thinks I'm a psycho. So I'm cruising down the highway today, keen from an early knockoff from my courier route, when my van's dashboard lights up like a Christmas tree, and I realize I'm losing power. I get over to the side, and out she clunks. She's dead. I make a few phone calls and make myself comfy while I wait. The last time I ended up stuck, it was for seven hours in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. And sadly, I didn't know about your podcast then, but I do now. And I was looking forward to a few extra hours of listening after already binge listening for my eight-hour shift so far. Cue waiting three more hours. Anyway, finally, a tow truck arrives partway through listening to you uncultured swine. Ugh, I hate switching off partway through. So I get out, chat to the driver for a few minutes, then throw him my keys. He tinkers in the van for a bit before loading it onto the truck. The whole time giving me strange looks and the shifty side eye. He gets out and says, so do you have a lift or do you need me to take you somewhere? I'll take a lift, thanks. Okay, awesome, he replied kind of nervously. The shifty eyes continue and he asks me things like, so you're on your own for a long time during the days. A lot of thinking time. I don't think much of it. It's weird, but meh. I'm tired as hell and I just want to knock off and have a beer. Knockoff time comes about two hours later and I jump into my ute and start her up. It automatically connected to my Bluetooth and started playing the podcast again. Except it wasn't where I left it. I skip back a few minutes and start to realize why I was getting side-eyed glances. When the tow truck driver put the keys in my work van, it connected up and Carrie continued her story about good old Robert the Butcher grinding up his victims and feeding them to the pigs. Uh, whoops. It all made sense now. I was basically the poster girl for the whole don't pick up hitchhikers thing tonight. And the scary part, I listen to so much true crime, I know all the tricks. Anyway, I'm gonna finish this beer now and cuss up my damn van some more. Creep it real and I'll write in another email when I get time with my spooky shit. Love y'all, Laura. (laughs) I've totally done that. Oh my God, yes. Oh my gosh. Or like, first world problems again but like my touchscreen won't work when i'm trying to pause it real quick and Mm -hmm. so like i'm at the drive-thru window because let's just be honest that's where i'm going and it's like uh uh just turn it down okay never mind like you didn't hear that okay this one is the time i almost got abducted because of a seven dollar dress literally something that would happen to me (laughs) hey donna and carrie i absolutely love your podcast and it's the only true crime paranormal one i listen to thank you Your rapport and accents have me hooked. Sinister Sighting episodes are my favorite, and I finally worked up the courage to share my story with you. Uh, They're our favorite, too. This happened about eight years ago, but the message is timeless. So here I go. I was married with four young kids when I finally worked up the courage to leave my dead-end job and go back to school to pursue a lifelong dream of becoming a nurse. 
My husband and I knew that money would be extremely tight, but we could make it work. We agreed that any extra money would go to the kids. We would just go without until I started working again. That didn't stop me from window shopping, though. I absolutely fell in love with a sundress, but even at 30 bucks, it was just too much for me. One night during an evening class, a classmate mentioned that the store I saw the dress at was having a major sale and all sundresses were marked down to $7. Then the teacher came in and said that we were all free to leave after our test that night. Ladies, that meant I could stop by the store, grab my $7 dress, and be home in time to eat with the family and tuck the babies into bed. It was October in my northern Iowa town, so that meant it was pitch black by 6 p.m. My hometown has about 250,000 people, so big enough to have two targets, but small enough to always feel safe. Having said that, I still know to park under a light close to the store, be aware of your surroundings, you know, all the things... But your girl had a one-track mind and was on a mission to buy a $7 dress. I pull up into the parking spot, grab my purse from the passenger seat, turn around, and there is a man at my window. He tapped on my window, and I lowered it about an inch. He asked if I could help him. Side note, Iowa nice is a real thing, and we are raised to help. But I was not being Iowa nice this time. I was focused on my dress. I said no. He asked again and said that his car was dead and he just needed a jump. I told him I didn't have any cables. He said that's okay. He has them. He just needs me to walk down to his car with him that was at the end of the row in a dark secluded part of a parking lot. Red flag. Again, I said no. Now, most women would have rolled up the window and drove off to safety. My dumbass was still heart set on my $7 dress. So I open my car door. I walk right past this mofo that was trying to come in between me and my dress. He stood there in complete shock. I don't think he was expecting me to get out of the car and walk past him. It wasn't until I get into the small mall that it hits me. This guy is a bad guy. Thank God there was a security guard right by the door. I asked him to come to the parking lot with me. As we were walking, maybe 40 feet, I told him about the guy. When we got to my car, we noticed the guy and his car were gone. It was a time span of less than two minutes. There's no way he could have gotten a jump and been on his way that quickly. The security guard told me he had heard of a guy trying this with other women in the small mall. The guard actually walked me back into the mall so I could buy my dress, then walked me back out to my car. He also checked my car to make sure no one was hiding in it. I still have that dress and it compliments whenever I wear it. Creep it real and don't get abducted over a $7 dress, Andrea. I mean, it was $7. I mean, I would totally do that. Same. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was marked down to $7. That's like salvage prices. Mm-hmm. That also tells you how fucking overpriced that dress was. Right. That's awesome of the security guard, though. Yeah. I'm so glad that he, it was like, it was like meant to be that he was just right there. Yeah. But why would he need you to walk down to his car? Right. That I'm like, mm. But seriously, okay, maybe can you drive down here and jump me off? Mm-hmm. But to ask for you to walk down there, huge red flag. Yeah. We're so glad that you're safe and that you got the dress. Yes. Okay, last one. Some sweet, non-sinister sightings. Hey, so I wrote in a couple of times both creepy and scary sightings. 
For this email, I figured 2020 has been a scary enough year. I'm writing this in June. So here's some happy ghost moments. The first is back in 2007, and it happened to my grandma. In April of that year, my grandpa had passed away. They had been together for 50 years. Well, my grandma was getting ready to take a shower and head to bed, so she decided to lay out pajamas as her usual routine. This time, she picked a silk nightgown, something my grandpa would have not seen appropriate, but something she had had in her closet for years. Well, flash forward, and she gets out of the shower, and the silk nightgown is no longer hanging on the doorknob, but is now replaced with one of her normal nightgowns. She knew right away it was Grandpa. Even in the afterlife, he wasn't about to let his wife wear something inappropriate. Wow. Ooh, I would be cussing him out. Right. I mean, I get it. Like, that's their relationship, and it's, it's, yeah. like, it's cute and it's sweet, but also... Maybe it was comfortable. Right? You know, sometimes you just need a silk little, well, not a nightgown, but nighty. Yeah. No shade, Grandma. You wear that silk. Mm-hmm. I need a silk pillow. I do. I'm starting to get, like, wrinkles underneath my eyes from my pillow. The silk pillow ain't gonna do shit for me because my number one fear of getting that damn CPAP was that I was gonna wake up with CPAP lines. And now I do. But they go away, huh? They do. They have been going away pretty quickly, but still. The second one was the most recent, just happening in May. So I was pregnant with my daughter at the time, only had a few more weeks left before her arrival. And one day I was walking past my desk to mark something on the calendar when I looked down and I saw my son's little angel pen sitting as if someone set it there on purpose. Now, this pen had been in a bag in his sock drawer ever since he lost the back to it. When I saw it, I felt this sense of just pure happiness and immediately thought of my husband's grandma. She loved angels. Side note, both her and my grandma, the one from the first story, passed away right around the time we found out I was pregnant. Our daughter is now named after both of them. I told my mother-in-law about it, and she said that my husband's grandma was so excited and had hoped that she would be able to meet our baby. I felt like it was such a sweet way for her to show that she was still there. I'll try to make this last one short. This happened around 2013-14. Not sure exactly. Anyway, I was driving to work and was sitting at a stoplight. As soon as it turned green and before I hit the pedal, I looked back to my back seat and felt as if someone was saying, wait. When I turned back to the front of the car, a pickup truck ran straight through the red light. I don't know who it was that had me wait, but I'm glad they did because I would have went and I would have been T-boned by that truck. Mm. Thanks for reading my stories and creep it real, ladies, Anne. You know, I thoroughly believe that their souls passed. Like, when you were pregnant and both of them passed away, like, I really think that they met. Yes. I said the same thing about when my grandmother passed just like the same week that Casey had Allie. Like, I think that their souls passed too. Yeah. I love those stories. Those were great stories to end on. Yes. And all these grandparents. I know. Also, like Ann said, we are in the early June emails. So if you emailed us before then and it hasn't been read, that means we didn't get it. Yes. So send it back. Or if you want to send an email, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. 
Thanks for all of these amazing emails that you have sent in. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.